I would like to begin by introducing um, Emily Dickinson's poem, The Well. What mystery pervades a well? The water hues so far. A neighbor from another world residing in a jar. Uh, my question, my first question is, um, when did you first think about painting a well? Um, this was, uh, I remember the date exactly. It's uh, 91. So I would have been 51 years old at the time. And uh, uh, it just came to me that this experience, you know, of looking into the well is something that uh, has been with me since boyhood. And um, um, my parents come from this small uh, uh, coastal Gujarat village. So uh, and we, we were very frequent visitors there, although I was brought up in Bombay. And uh, every time we'd go there, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd be passing these little, these small, you know, humble little wells. Uh, not very deep, but full of water. And uh, invariably I'd look in. And, and, and the experience was very fulfilling. And even today, you know, the, the, this experience continues. You know, I, I never pass a well without looking in. So at the age of 51, I said, uh, would it be possible to, 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 to paint this image, to, or to paint what this image means to me? So I, I tried it out, I tried one well, and I was pretty happy with what, what, what uh, transpired. And I believed that that would be the last well I'd be painting. But, uh, you know, within the next two months I was painting another one, and then another one. And uh, each one of them turned out to be a fresh experience, both in terms of the imagery, uh, and in terms of what that imagery meant to me. And, uh, uh, and uh, now we are into 2012, yeah, and I'm still painting them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me, when I first saw your well, which was uh, in 2006, when we did the first Post-PCR show, and, uh, the, you know, it was such a visceral experience for me, because here I am, sensing my own body, uh, looking into the well and seeing the reflected image. So for me, it was a meeting of two lives. You know, you're looking into the stillness of uh, or your own image, and yet you're very aware of the movement of the self, the yes. movement of your own body. And uh, and that, to me, um, is, is a wonderful moment in painting. Uh, yes. So. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, thank you. Visceral um, uh, is a very good word. Uh, one wouldn't one wouldn't offhand have said that, you know, just thinking about it as a subject, mm -hmm. that it was likely to be visceral. Right, right. right. right? And, uh, um, but in fact it is, and you put your finger on it rather well. Uh, um, because I think that uh, perhaps uh, what was happening to me from Bhagavad onwards when I when I looked in was that I was more or less in a sense uh, emptying myself out into that space you know yes and and then receiving back again uh -huh. something from it 
which is not the literal image. Right. Because because uh, uh, my own painted face looking in uh, does not happen in any of these paintings. Right. In fact, in fact, once I tried it out you know, to see what would happen, and it seemed just seemed so wrong that I had to delete it. I had to rub it off. You know. And that's the first uh, you know instinctive. Uh, Kind of reaction I had to the wells as well that I don't want my image to be seen. But you know, in the gallery when there were lights falling, I could see my shadow yes. on the canvas, and immediately I moved back because the experience became far more real. Yes. You know, when there was absolutely just a clear image, yes. and, I, and I knew that I was looking in, you know, into it yes. rather than it's, having. So it, I think this, I think you know this means something important. Yeah. Uh, it means that the painting is not. Not only about physical appearances. Right. Um, the physical appearance is important. I think, you know, I think that to me the size of the well, what happens outside the well, the surface of the water, all of these are important. And I enjoy the physicality of all these right. things. And that comes through in the way you kind of layer the image yeah. and the paint. Yeah. Um, you know, you work over the, you know, over the canvas over a good period of time, right? Yes. It takes yes. you about a couple of months. Yeah, more. 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 <laughs> yeah. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. Yeah, no. Uh, but I think that uh, I think that you know uh, you're right. You know, with with each layering or with each time I come back. To this painting, to work on it some more, uh, I'm entering and receiving, entering and receiving, you know, um, and by the end of it, uh, you know, it, not just my my head, but my whole body is very much into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, there's a certain tension that comes to mind, you know, when you're looking at the wells, and you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't think it, you know, because there's such a serene aspect to, you know, to the making of, to just looking at this beautiful image of a well, and yet the, the closer you look, you become aware of so many different kind of textures, um, you know, layered against each other, so many different kind of shapes, and. Uh, and there's an entire universe that that is made within that you know within the canvas, and and that to me is uh, is something that I just love about looking at a painting is that how can it kind of encapsulate an entire universe, a painterly universe, yeah. and yet speak about an inter internal life, an inner life. Yes. Um, could you speak about that a yeah. little? Could you? And inner and an outer. Life. Yes. Yes. Inner and outer. True. True. <laughs> um, And are there any? Sorry. No, go on. No, I was going to ask: Are there any other images um, in in your genre that come close to looking at a well, like a certain characters, be it in a play or a poem? Do you think they they kind of have these? Uh, I don't think no, really. I mean, this no. I mean, I mean, uh, it 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 was a pretty unique subject matter that I that I hit upon, you know. Really. And I, I came to understand this not immediately, not with the first painting, not with the second painting, yeah. but with subsequent paintings. That uh, and the the inexhaustibility of it also is something that is, you know, I've come to value a great deal. Right. Um, 
And, uh, you know, this connects a little bit with the cloud drones, you know, which we, which we will, I'm sure, I'm talk about soon. Right. Okay. But uh, um, I think that... Uh, I think that the inexhaustibility, the, the uh, you know, the kind of... Uh, it is partly uh, because uh, a well is never the same from one moment to the other. Right. Because the sky and the light that it is reflecting, mm-hmm. you know, is constantly changing. Right. You know? Right. Or if you move and you, 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 you move from, say, uh, you move, say, uh, across 20 degrees, you know, around the circumference and look in again, you know, again there's a difference. Right. Yeah. You look in the next day and there's something else. Yes. You know. Now, uh, so I don't make uh, drawings uh-huh. on the spot, but I do look a lot. You know, at those wells and into those wells. Mm-hmm. And so when I come back to the studio, uh, I don't have a drawing reference with me. Right. But. What I do have is a sense of plenitude, uh, so that uh, uh, anything can happen, mm-hmm. you know, and that is the liberating thing about this subject matter, you know, that uh, I, uh, it's almost like you're drawing out the experience of the well, and I don't mean drawing. Yeah. Um, you know, literally, I think this prolonging yeah. experience of looking at a well yeah. as as you create it on yeah. your yeah. Yes. The surface. Uh, uh, every day, I'm I'm looking at something new that will happen to this well. Right. Something unexpected. Mm-hmm. You know, and I keep myself constantly open to this uh, unexpected thing. That may happen, and it does happen. Yes, it, it certainly <laughs> does. And and uh, this is where the subject connects a little bit with the clouds yes. again. You know, the, the cloud drawings, mm-hmm. which is again uh, um, a, a cloud has no final form. Yes, it, it is constantly in a state of. Uh, uh, a, a formation and dissolution, mm-hmm. both at the same time, mm-hmm. and so then you know, uh, there's no question of looking up at a cloud and sketching it, you know, right? <laughs> because yeah. while you are sketching it, it, it you know, it's, it's becoming something else, yeah. right? Yeah. So then it is an entirely inner experience, mm-hmm. although it's out there as well. Yeah, true. And this is the liberating thing about taking up a subject like that, because. I, I have this paper uh-huh. and I have pencil and ink uh-huh. and I can do carnival anything, you know. Right. <laughs> no, that, that's what I, you know, when I look at your cloud drawings, for me they're a moment of anticipation as well as dissolution because you don't know what you're looking at and yet you suddenly become aware of, of an image coming together and the minute you're aware of it, it becomes undone. Yes. So, and I love that. I love uh-huh. the kind of sensation of constantly, you know, coming together and yeah, then yeah. breaking apart. Yeah. Though I don't think of it as breaking apart. Yeah. Coming undone, I think, is, yeah. is better. But, but, um, but I also think with the cloud drawings, do you find that... Uh, 
you know, because they are not uh, about, uh, you know, a particular image, though they are, but um, at the same time, there's so much, they're so sensory and there's so, uh, so much about sensation that uh, compared to the rest of your, you know, your, your other work, uh, you know, your paintings, you know, landscape, the world. How do you, where, where do the clouds uh, kind of fit in? Or which corner of your mind do the clouds... Uh, yes. uh, you know the kind of brushwork that you talked about uh, uh, pertaining the wells. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is the kind of brushwork which I've used in my earlier work as well when I'm working on a figure mm-hmm. or I'm working on a landscape. For instance, even the shirt of a figure, for instance. Right. You know, uh, uh, very often, uh, you know, if you look at it closely, yeah. uh, 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 it, it is a see-through. Yeah. You know, it is yeah. very... It, you know, there are moments when, when a shirt is a shirt. Yeah, yeah. But uh, very often it is uh, a see-through yeah. of uh, 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 strokes and color, you know. Mm-hmm. And and this particular way of working becomes uh, pronounced mm. and liberated right. uh, when I come to the wells. Yeah. And perhaps... It becomes, uh, you know, absolutely kind of yeah. crazy when it comes to the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> comes to the clouds. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't. Because I, I have never felt as liberated. Yes. As I, I did during that period when I was working on those clouds. In fact, there's a certain musical element to them. You know, I feel like they're almost like notes of music that, you know, have been thrown up into the air, yeah. and they've taken all these lines and shapes <laughs> and forms. So. Yeah. And um, and it's it's wonderful that we get to see them in New York for one. Um, but that brings me to my next question: uh, What do you think is the relationship between uh, memory and uh, observation? Um, observation to me is uh, is uh, primary. You know? mm-hmm. It's like you know I've been given eyes, right? And uh, I delight in using them. And uh, uh, my eyes are very inquisitive. And um, almost like information gathering, you know? Uh, it's uh, partly information gathering, but it is also partly just uh, Making use of, you know, making use of something uh, that's meant to be used. <laughs> right. In that way, mm-hmm. you know, you're meant to to look. To look. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I look, <laughs> and I look at just about everything. I look at people. Uh, I look at very personal uh, qualities in those people, and uh, I observe uh, the interactions with each other. And the interactions which with with the space within which they are functioning, right. uh, the street or the pavement, whatever, um, and uh, I look at clouds, I look at trees, uh, 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 into a well, <laughs> outside a well. Right. Uh, then all of the, somewhere out, uh, it's becoming a bank, hmm. you know, of 
material. I won't even say images, you know, mm. but just visual material. Yeah. And I suppose that is what's memory. Yes. Uh, it's a bank of visual material for a painter. That's wonderful. <laughs> That's a wonderful image of a bank. Because a lot of photographers, contemporary, not photographers, contemporary artists use photography almost like they cannot hold on to the memory of what they want to create. So they take a lot of photographs and they come back into the studio and, uh, you know, kind of... Uh, move into memory looking at the photograph yeah. but for you it's it's really about kind of uh, experiencing it and letting it you know and just having it be locked away in the bank to yeah. revisit yes I have used photographs uh, uh, when I've worked with human figures not in Yardley, but often uh, but um, the way I use it for, uh, for uh, the photograph of a human subject that I'm painting is uh, to take it as a reference and then to contradict it on the canvas. Oh, okay. You know? Uh, so this, uh, 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 like, uh, to say yes and no to the photograph while you're making use of it. That's very true. Could you give me an example of a painting where... Uh, uh, well, I think that perhaps the most uh, uh, clear example would be uh, a painting which is called uh, Stroll, which shows a the, a Bombay Central uh, porter uh, uh, with his young uh, infant child on his shoulders, uh-huh. and they are they are out for a stroll. And I would know I I would kind of look at the I would look at the red smock, which is the porter's uniform that he's wearing. And uh, if you look at it. Uh, the smock melts before eyes, you know, uh, and uh, very soon you feel that you are, you know, you have been allowed access through the smock into an inner space, uh, which should be his body, but isn't. So, what is this inner space into which, you know, uh, you have been? allowed access. Right. You know, this is the kind of way I, I, I finally use that photograph. You know? It's by very by, poetic. Yeah. <laughs> by, the time, by, the, by the time I was finished with the painting, yeah. uh, the original smock wasn't anywhere in the picture. In the picture, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a very poetic experience that you just described of looking inside, of almost being inside the body and being outside. And then almost, you know, you're the skin the skin of uh, the, you know the the portal that you're talking about, where you can feel it internally and look at it externally as well. So, um, okay. <laughs> so, um, so you are a poet and a playwright, and I'm sure you've been asked this question many times. But I want to you know kind of phrase it differently and ask you whether you find that there are parallel states of mind um, when, you, when you're writing poetry um, or, you know, play. I'm sure it's not simultaneous. Yeah. yeah. You do it, but, or, or painting. Or are, is it something that you find that has an overlap and uh, has a common thread? Uh, they are very distinctively different mm-hmm. from me. You know? or, or why would I want to do it? Right. All three. Right. 
Um, I think the so one thing, the kind of fulfillment that each of these three things uh, you know, offer me is different and it's very difficult to put it into words. But like uh, when I complete a painting, when I complete a poem, uh-huh. when I complete uh-huh. a play, uh-huh. uh, the common thing is there's a moment of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. There's a moment that uh, Uh, where you feel that uh, you have you are at last given back to life a small return for everything that is given to you you know by creating by recreating it in a in a in a different mode uh-huh. you know so there is that sense of gratitude you know um uh, but uh it's different in each case you know right. the, the quality of the feeling is different yeah. and and it's just almost impossible to 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 yeah. to put it into words but uh maybe i can talk about something more more tangible mm-hmm. uh, like uh, i think that to me uh the the uh uh the ingress into each of these three uh is through different media right so you know when i'm painting i'm talking about color and strokes strokes primarily uh and the relationship of strokes to each other whereas in a poem it would be a relationship of syllables to each other right and in a play it becomes more symphonic you know mm-hmm. uh almost the relationship of characters or you know the uh kinds of colors that these characters stand for or the kinds of sounds that these characters stand for right and their relations to each other the common thing ultimately is relationship i think that perhaps no art form exists with, without a keen understanding of how things relate to each other it's a, it's it's interesting what you're saying relationship because i've i've read your poem and your plays and seen your paintings and the one if i could kind of grasp at that one thing that is a common thread is um, would be stillness in your work there's a certain stillness which is very evocative a certain stillness that is very full and yet um, and yet is very complete in itself so that's that for me as a viewer <laughs> yes. would be the one yes. okay. and of course the uh, relationships within that yes well maybe maybe the stillness comes about when the relationships have been fully articulated yeah felt yeah, yeah. true so okay <clears throat> So in over the you know almost it's been how many you've been working for the last 40 45 years now <laughs> It's difficult to name it and give it a number but just for the sake of clarity let's say you know you, you know you've been working that long uh, how do you respond uh, to the contextual uh, changes around you in the culture of painting 
uh, oh do you do you respond to it or yes I may be mistaken, but I did read somewhere. Was it Matisse who said that you know, after a certain age, uh-huh. uh, when you reach a certain age, you you cannot relate to uh, what the youngest people are doing, yeah. you know, around you. And uh, uh, that is a very comforting statement. <laughs> <laughs> because it it frees me of guilt <laughs> I, 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 well let's put it this way I, I don't visit uh, Europe very often but when I do or the United States you know, right. out of the country but when I do I head straight for the classical uh, periods of art in the museums uh, I very little contemporary work interests me. So, how how do you see yourself uh, in the contemporary context then? Uh, uh, because I'm, I'm, I feel like your your work can exist, um, you know, as as contemporary art. It's not uh, yeah, so not the outside. Well, I I I am. I'd be very happy if that were true. <laughs> no, it is true. It is, it is true, especially I think you don't have to look further than the well to, to know that. Uh, and, you know, it's true because uh, I think the kind of material that you work with, the, it's it's very much about sensation and, and looking. And I don't think that can be bracketed into, you know, into all the kind of isms that have come along in art history. Yeah. So, so I think um, you stand uh, inside it <laughs> very much. Uh, um, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> How would you define at this moment in your life the purpose of art? I think it is contemplation. Uh, I, no, I mean, at the risk of oversimplifying, um, I can put it as one word. Uh, the purpose of art is to encourage contemplation. Uh, and number two, uh, it is. Uh, uh, The purpose of art is uh, to encourage the enjoyment of the sense of sight. Mm. That's a very John Berger like yes, quote. Yes, the sense of or no, the sense of sight is the no. book uh, that he has, which is called um, the sense of sight. Yeah, but I, but I, I would suggest the, the the word enjoyment. Yes, enjoyment. Okay. So. And the enjoyment of this, the, the total enjoyment of the sense of sight mm-hmm. uh, should lead you ultimately into a state of contemplation. That sounds like a definitive answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, who are the artists you look at when, uh, you know, say in a museum or even, uh, or what do you look at in everyday life? Uh, you mean uh, pain, book, painters? Yeah, painters. I think they're two separate questions. First, actually, t- uh, tell me what you look at. Um, who do you look at? 
when I go to museums. When you go to museums, yes. It's a it's a very wide range, um, and I don't know if it make it will make sense. It might look very scattered, no, no. but um, uh, I would I would look at uh, uh, I'd look at the Quattrocento wherever I could find it, the Italian. Uh, so you know, Giotto, Piero della Francesca, Masaccio, you know, uh, whatever you know. Even if you see an occasional work, I'd go for it. Uh, I'd look at. Uh, Rembrandt, uh, and I would try to, I try to tell which are the jokes and which are the real ones <laughs> because there are many. Surprisingly, there are many Rembrandt fakes yeah. all over the world, and and I, I flatter myself that I can tell, tell the difference. I think there's one painting I've been able to tell, but that's not it. <laughs> but you know, the great Rembrandt yeah. are, are, are magnificent. Yeah. Um, I'll go for a Monet anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, there are lots and lots of minor Monets uh, aside from the very great ones. But even the minor ones interest me, and. Um, uh, I'd go for uh, uh, Pierre Bonnard and uh, I like Mani very much and uh, if I'm in Washington DC I'll go to the El Greco room because uh, DC has probably the greatest collection of El Grecos. Uh, really? Outside of Prado, the Met, uh, Met has a couple. Yeah, but uh, the National Gallery of DC has three or four, uh, including the the Laoku, which is which is a magnificent painting. I would hunt up uh, Vermeer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, among you know coming to more recent times uh, uh, I, 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 I'd go straight for the Francis Bacon's yeah. wherever they are uh, they are on display unfortunately one can't see a lot of them um, so, uh, the, some of the American abstract expressions uh, for instance the early Philip Guston yeah they're all painters. Everything. I mean, like it's so. It's not scattered at all. They're all painters of light. They all paint light. You know, from Monet to to uh, who did you say? Vermeer to Rembrandt. Um, yeah. All of them. Yeah. And Gaston. Yeah. You know, he was very uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> light and fragments of light. In fact, some of early Gaston reminds me of Monet. Uh, I think, I mean, I think that he was... Uh, yeah, looking yeah, at... He was looking at yeah, yeah. yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, de Kooning. Mm. Now we're talking about edges with Bacon and uh, de Kooning. Mm-hmm. The edge of a form that's so yeah. crisp and very... You know, like yours, even your, um, you know, your, in your landscapes, your forms are very... The relationship of the two colors against each other creates such a crisp edge, yeah. which um, you know, which changes from every painting. Yeah. So, 
And what about um, Indian uh, contemporary art? Uh, I, I look at Akbar Padamsi anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at the Mehta, uh, Sudhir Patwadhan. Um, these are the three persons from the earlier generation. Uh-huh. I think they're very, uh, uh, no, uh, some early Husseins are magnificent. Yeah. Uh, Among the younger people, I would look at uh, Atul and Anju Bodia. Uh, Lakshma Gaud's etchings from 70s. the 1970s. Yeah. Amazing, those birds. Uh, in the forests and the human figures, uh, birds, animals. Mm-hmm. And the the density of the black that he achieves, you know, in yeah. uh, in those etchings is very remarkable. So, so tell me, um, so tell me about a day in the life of Geet Patel. Uh-huh. What do you What do you do? Like when you wake up at at seven a.m. on a typical day. Uh, oh, atypical day. <laughs> uh, very humdrum, you know, uh-huh. nothing, nothing remarkable. But the remarkable thing uh, for me is uh, getting ready to come to the studio. And uh, uh, what uh, is constantly frustrating, but something that uh, I've come to accept as a fact of my studio life, is that I just can't come in and start work immediately. You know, um, I need I need a fairly long time before I'm ready to start painting. And uh, you know, I don't know what it is. I think it really is the question of shedding uh, all the practical business of life, you know, uh, which is constantly impinging on one. Uh, the bills and the, uh, the, you know, the chores and you know, the, uh, you know, just all the hundreds of things that one has to do, which kind of at least fills my mind up with, just, I feel clogged. Yeah. And uh, I want to come here and uh, sort of slowly let that, all of that recede. And then uh, I listen to music uh, which is most often classical western music and I listen for a very short period of time for about say 20 minutes to half an hour and while I'm listening to the music I don't paint I do nothing I just listen to the music and I take a couple of strolls in front casual strolls in front of the painting and uh, pretend that I'm not looking at it (laughs) But I kind of like steal a few glances. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't want to alarm the painting. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really a meeting of two lives. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and sort of while I'm, you know, kind of ha- allowing the music to, to, to do its work, and then I'm allowing my sighting of the painting to do its work, 
and I'm allowing the painting to to say something back to me. Somewhere around that time, uh, and I, ne- I never forced the painting to tell me what the next step should be. You know, I kind of I'm so almost a, 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 a kind of very careful not to disturb it. You know. Uh, and then at one point, the painting just sort of quietly tells me, do this. And most often, uh, uh, if I you follow that. the instruction, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I find I'm on the right path. What, what do you think is um, the most fundamental aspect of you as an artist? as a complete artist what has uh, seen you through over all these years uh, I think some kind of perhaps unwarranted uh, mm, doggedness uh, uh, obstinacy, uh, some kind of uh, unreasonable feeling that I know what's best for me to do Mm. and uh, nobody else, nobody else uh, can can make me move from that path. In other words, nerves of steel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, But of course, you know, I mean, like like every other artist, I go through periods of great uncertainty Mm -hmm. uh, with my own work and... uh, But never, uh, I never, never had... Uncertainty, yes, uncertainty, and and, and, and and one never knows, you know, whether work is ultimately going to, to take you where you want to go, or whether work itself wants to go. You may, you know, you may, you may collapse, you know, in between, and and you may have to, you may have to forsake the work or whatever. But um, a kind of uh, belief that even if uh, I'm not getting there. There is a place where I have to go. Either with that poem or with that painting or with that play, you know? There is a place and it's a very clear and definite place. I may not get there. And so, you know, and only I know where that place is for me. Um, I'm sure each artist feels that way about his own work. You know, each artist has his or her own place, right. uh, which they are very aware of. But um, you have to trust that. You have to trust that yes. implicitly. Yes. That uh, it's it's okay for uncertainty to have its reign. You know, it's, um, 
because it's it's sometimes uh, it takes so long. Yes. You know to get out of that. Um, to find, you know, to get out, to get out of that mold and, and see, uh, and just see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's so easy to get caught up uh, in the surface of things, and, and especially in the world we live in. You know, you're talking about all the domestic chores and practicalities and I, I find that's very true for myself as well it takes me longer to kind of shed all those layers and have every every voice in my head um, you know walk out that door and for me to shut that door and just be completely uh, silent and and just have you know just have my own voice um, kind of rise above <laughs> yes. all that um but that's that's the that's the hardest I think to be to be in uh, to create you know mm. to endeavor in any kind of creative activity. It's just um, mm. the shedding off. Yes, it is. So uh, one, my last question is: What would be your advice to young artists <laughs> such as myself? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Anything. <laughs> It's not my advice to young artists uh, at all. It's a continuing advice to myself, which I might share with you. Please go ahead. <laughs> uh, which is, I, I advise myself and anybody who wants to be an artist uh, to uh, uh, not just look at painting uh, or sculpture, whatever, but to uh, be very aware of great art uh, uh, wherever, wherever it is, uh, in whatever medium, uh, whether it is in writing, or in film, or in music, uh, uh, and to settle for nothing less than the greatest. Mm. That's one. Because it is, because it is yeah. only from there that one can be nourished for one's own work. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, let's see now if, uh, what we've got.